Looks, has time to throw. There's an out deep. Way downfield. Grab He's going to score. He's going to score. Touchdown, Purdue. Seth Morales. Seth Morales. There are no flags. The Boilermakers have taken the lead on a 64-yard strike. Unbelievable. And they're showing blitz again. They back out of the blitz. Toss it downfield. Caught by Stubblefield. Goodbye. Tanner Stubblefield beat Dwight Ellick and waltzes into the end zone. It covers 97 yards. More in motion. They get it to him. More in space. A burst of speed. A place down for Purdue. He's still going. More. Touchback. Touchdown. And it's intercepted. Bailey. The other way. It is Thursday, October 13th, 2022, and you're listening to a brand new episode of the Boiler Breakdown, wherever you listen to your podcasts at, or maybe you're watching live on the Boiler Breakdown Facebook page. Twitter page or YouTube channel. I'm your host, Tanner Lee. New co-host for me this week. Uh, not my usual co-host, Andrew Eiler. Evan Webb couldn't join us this evening, so I made a call to the bullpen, bringing in my father, Eric Lee. I think, Dad, this might be your first appearance on the podcast besides when you've helped us uh, by moderating our trivia episodes in the past. That would be correct. Yeah, I think I, I I couldn't remember. We've been doing this podcast ever since 2018, so I couldn't remember if we've had you on in the past or not. So, no, this is it. Well, welcome um, for everybody who's unfamiliar with your background. You've been a Purdue fan basically your whole life. Yeah, graduate graduate in what 80? 80, 80, 83. First time I ever saw Purdue on TV was basketball, nineteen sixty nine, the uh, championship game on Wide World of Sports. So uh, I've been involved with Purdue sports for, what, 53 years? Probably more heartbreak than happiness. Uh, <laughs> well, you either win or you lose, right? So That's true. That's probably true. seen a lot more wins than I have losses. But Either way, thanks for uh, joining me this, tonight so I don't have to talk to Boiler Nation by myself. That would be pretty boring for everybody involved um, out there listening to me just ramble on. But uh in this case tonight, we do get a recap of win. We're not recapping a loss. We're recapping a big win. Uh, Purdue was victorious over the Mar- Maryland Terrapins in College Park on Saturday by a score of thirty-one to twenty-nine. After I after the game, I texted you and said, "It's never easy." Never is easy. Um, played a nice game, but uh, it's, you're fortunate to win when you have three turnovers, and we had three turnovers in the third quarter, and uh, obviously. Uh, Last-minute touchdowns in both the first half and second half were kind of painful to watch, but all's well that ends well. Yeah, Purdue's defense, for the most part this year, has played pretty well besides the last two minutes in a few different uh, first half and second halves. Right. Well, Penn State, you can remember, they scored on a a broken play touchdown just in the first half, uh, put them up 11, and then obviously scored with 57 seconds to go to beat us, and then the Syracuse debacle. Um, yeah, and, and, uh, then giving up the touchdown in the last seconds of the first half. And like I said, in the end of the game against Maryland, that's, they could just wipe out that last one minute. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, mm-hmm. You know, if the games were 59 minutes, Purdue would be in the top 10 of the country right now. So, 
Yeah, it's interesting. As Purdue fans, we sit here six games in, four and two. I think most Purdue fans would have been pretty happy with that before the yeah. year. A lot of them probably had Purdue predicted at four and two through six games, but with losses to most likely Penn State in Minnesota, Correct. not Penn State and Syracuse. Um, but here we are, Purdue's this close for being six and zero. Oh. But on the flip side, they could be one and five or two and four. Two and four, yeah, yeah. Florida Atlantic uh, got a little more interesting than it needed to be, but. Yeah, it's and and uh, quite frankly, that's kind of what I expect from here on out. I they got six games left. I can I only see one of them that I think would be should be a very comfortable win, and the rest of them could be dogfights. And that comfortable win in most of them too is that comfortable win in Northwestern. I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah, and I could be wrong, but uh, you know they did play Penn State to seventeen to seven, but it helped that there was like in a monsoon, right? But yeah. Which so. Purdue hasn't had their monsoon game this year. It's, it usually comes once a year, and it's not or never been good either. Well, well, uh, I mean, we'll, we'll talk more about the Maryland game in just a second. But since you said monsoon, that reminded me of the Minnesota game last year, where Purdue wore their gold jerseys for the first time since two thousand and three, I believe. Now today they're bringing the gold gold jerseys back again this Saturday against Nebraska. So I wanted to see what the weather is going to be like. And forecast Saturday in West Lafayette looks like a high of 57, a low of 35. Doesn't look like any rain in the forecast. Now, will these be gold uniforms with black lettering on numbers? or, or Yes, just like last year. I'll have black on the, mm-hmm. on the shoulders and black numbers, but gold. Black helmets, black pants. So. I, you may be too. You probably remember when um, during the middle of Joe Tiller's tenure, we tried sure. the, the uh, gold uniform for the white numbers. And yeah, it was, it was really 2002, good. and it was too hard to see. Yeah. And, uh, 2003, they actually, I liked the gold with black numbers, but they only wore it for a game or two, and then they switched back to the black mm-hmm. uniforms in a home game against Arizona. So yeah. uh, I guess that's neither here nor there, but I know some uniform enthusiasts. Uh, like like to talk Purdue uniforms, and maybe later we'll talk Purdue basketball uniforms since they, they finally revealed those and then got the hype out of the way. But uh, back to the Maryland game, a game um, a lot of people weren't giving Purdue a chance. Purdue was a four-point underdog, three-point underdog, depending what line you looked at. Um, of course, what concerned me going into the Maryland game was Maryland's speed. I thought they were about the fastest team Purdue would play all year. Uh, uh, Kim, Kim Jarrett, I believe is his name, uh, he, he he didn't do much, though. He was the one yeah. I was worried about the most. He didn't do much, but some of the other Maryland receivers did. Talia, Tonga Valoa, he can get get you. You get it, get outside the pocket, he can he can uh, do you some harm. Um, but I thought Purdue's defense played pretty good. Uh, Purdue's run defense continues to be stellar at this point. I, I heard a stat the, the other day, I think it was on the Golden Black podcast, Alan Karpik said Purdue leads the Big Ten in um, – the least amount of 10-plus rushes given up and 20-plus rushes given up. They've given up 11 rushes of 10 yards or more and only one of 20 yards or more. And we're not used to that out of Purdue defenses. No, we've been gouged before. Um, And, you know, most of the Big Ten teams, particularly the last few years, um, run the ball. So you're susceptible to that. We'll we'll get a real test of that next week with Wisconsin. I'm sure we'll see the real Wisconsin – uh, start to emerge again, but uh, uh, we'll see. We'll yeah. see. The West, the West right now is wide open, uh, but Purdue c- controls his own destiny. Um, 
and looking looking at the Maryland game, looking at the box score, I thought Aiden O'Connell looked more like Aiden O'Connell on Saturday than he did against Minnesota the previous week. He was thirty completions and forty one attempts, three hundred sixty yards, uh, two touchdowns, one interception. The interception was off Charlie Jones's hands, but it was a little behind Charlie. It wasn't behind him. Uh, speaking of Charlie, uh, Maryland kind of shut him down a little bit. Only three catches for fifteen yards. Yeah. But some other guys stepped up. Payne Durham, another good game. Seven catches, 109 yards, and a touchdown. Marshawn Rice, five catches, 54 yards, and a touchdown. His first reception since the Syracuse game. Tyron Tracy, three catches for 48 yards. TJ Sheffield, four catches for 48 yards. Devin Mockaby, three for 30. Um, ben, uh, ben Fertney, fullback, had a big play. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of people aren't talking about it. He had one catch for 20 yards. D- D- Dylan Downing, uh, two catches for 17. Paul Ferry, one for 12. So uh, Aiden spread the ball around big time. Yeah, and, and you know, obviously uh, it's been well reported. Charlie's a little banged up, doesn't do a lot of practicing during the week. And, you know, uh, for his case and a couple others, it'd be nice to have that by, you know, before this game or maybe right after it. But we, we have two more games to battle through before some guys can, can take a little time and get some things healed. So. Got a uh, comment from Ray here on Facebook. It says, feel like we are stacking the box, which is helping run defense. However, opens up the backs for a few of those long completions and end-of-quarter drives. Yeah. I think Ray's probably correct on that. Yeah, 100%. You know, I, th- I thought the defensive backfield was going to be a real strength this year, and at times it has been. Corey Trice, just looking at him, he looks like a NFL cornerback. Um, obviously, getting Jalen Graham back was a huge get. Um, but uh, we have been susceptible to some long ones, and like I said, they're so untimely. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Speaking of Jalen Graham, uh, he did return to the lineup for the first time since the Penn State game, Week One, and it was uh, great to see number six back. He led the team in tackles with nine tackles, so mm-hmm. made his. And I think his snap count was really, really high, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. So uh, his endurance was still there, and his conditioning and. Um, Good to see him out there. His presence was known. You were talking Corey Trice. He had five tackles, one interception. He likes playing against Maryland. Back in 2019, he took uh, interceptions to the house. We had two picks that game, yeah. uh, Sanusi Kane filled in a lot for Chris Jefferson. Chris Jefferson only played 10 snaps, and he is missing this weekend's game. It sounds like he's going to take a break, a mental health break, but he said he will be back soon. So good for him if that's the case. Good for him for realizing – he needs to step away and get some help for a little bit, and hopefully everything goes good for him there. But uh, one guy I want to talk about is uh, Corday uh, Sidnor, I believe is how you pronounce his name, the freshman. Mm-hmm. Um, he had two sacks, three tackles and two sacks. Now that gives him four sacks on the year, so he's right there with Kydron Jenkins. Impressive for a freshman to go out there and start making his impact felt like that. Yeah. And then uh, Nick Calloway, number five, has been playing quite a bit here lately, true freshman. And supposedly, you never know, but the, the recruiting class coming in is is supposed to be one of the better defensive line um, units we've had come in in decades. So mm-hmm. uh, those two young freshmen and those guys, maybe we have something coming. Yep. Um, uh, what did you think about the time management um, that Jeff Brom decided to do after Payne Durham – hauled about two guys with mm-hmm. them for the past 15, 20 yards to the one or two yard line. And then uh, Maryland was 
were they out of timeout? No. no we we've, we downed the ball a couple times to force them to use their timeouts, right. which right. was kind of right. dangerous. I mean, if they stop us on that third and one or whatever, then you got to decide to kick a field goal, and then a touchdown would have beat us. So, right. Right. Um, I think it played out exactly as Brom wanted it to. It was uh, it was dangerous though, but uh, I'm sure he felt pretty good after he did it. Uh, you know, only leaving him a minute, a little over a minute, and one time out, and then zoom, easy, easy, in 37 seconds or whatever it was. I know then... I was uh, watching the game with the uh, with Nate Mills, and uh, I said I think we ought to go for two. You know, I'm thinking let's end it. <laughs> I kind of thought that, but then I thought, no, get the one, because even if they scored it, then they got to get the two. Because if you go for two and don't get it, Maryland goes down, scores, takes an overtime, then you're in a national headlines again. So for clock mismanagement. I thought thought it was a really tricky situation, but I thought they did the right thing. Well, it ended up being the perfect thing, but in a way it didn't work either. So you know we weren't winning that game of winning overtime. Mm Mm-hmm. No way. We've seen that play out. It reminded me of Ohio State 2012 all yeah. over again in the horseshoe when uh, Danny Hope had Urban Meyer beat. And... Yeah, although it, uh, Purdue kind of dominated that whole game. This game yeah. was back and forth. True. But, uh, True. you know, Maryland kicker missed a big field goal as time went out. We got a block, and it looked like we were off sides, but uh, replay shows he wasn't. He just mm-hmm. was moving first and got a, kind of a little bit of a head start and Mm-hmm. Big play. Mm-hmm. Absolutely big play. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and Purdue played special teams pretty well. No special teams blunders. Yeah. Um, punting game was fine. Kicking game was fine. Kickoff game was fine. No kicks out of bounds. So um, that's always good. It's always good when they don't do anything noticeable, or at least noticeably bad. But I'm still waiting for the special teams to make a big play, whether it's a kick return or a punt return. Maybe this weekend's the the time. Well, you know, and Charlie was first team all Big Ten returner mm-hmm. last year, and then two years ago – you had Rondell, you would think we would have some of the best return numbers in the country uh, with those two guys, and, and we don't. So I don't know if it's uh scheme or how we block, you know, but uh, I know in the last year anyway, Purdue's philosophy was just catch the punt. Right, right. <laughs> you know, with Anthrop. Yep. Right. If, if, uh, if Charlie is too banged up because he's too valuable in offense, um, I can't think of his name. Taylor now, number one. Is that uh, – Reese Taylor. But Deion Burke's doing just fine with kick yeah. returns. So On kick returns. Punt returns a whole different ball right. game. Right, right. They're coming at you. Right. So right. Um, I'd, I'd love to see us pop one. we got some athletes. Let's pop one. Yeah, Purdue's still waiting. I mean, the last time they returned a kickoff return was 2013 against Indiana State. That was um, Akeem Hunt. Yeah. And then uh, – the last time they did a punt return was 2009 against Northern Illinois. It was uh, Aaron Valentine. So it's been a while. Past, yeah. It's been a while. So. I can remember the uh, – what was his name? Um, did it against Indiana on a kick return. He was, Alteric uh, McBurse. Yeah, McBurse. That was in 2009 as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's too yep. bad when you can remember them because there are yeah. very many of them. Dorian Bryant was about the last consistently good returner Purdue's had. Yeah. Raheem and- Moster had moments too, though. Yeah, I was going to say, you had Mostert and Hunt. and mm-hmm. Ironically, the guy with the – I don't know if he still – he doesn't have any more because of uh, Hester from the Bears, but Mel Gray uh, ended up leading the all-time NFL, and he was a uh, running back at Purdue when I was there. <laughs> and and uh, he became an all-time leading returner. So Purdue's yeah. had the guys, Rod Woodson. Yeah. 
way before your time, but they've had hey, guys. Who, Vinny Sutherland wasn't too bad. No. Yes, it's shocking how few we've returned. That's yep. a good point. Anthony Chambers was a good one in the middle of the Tiller era, so yeah. good punt returner at least. So, but yeah, maybe maybe this weekend's the time we we get one popped. You know the the environment against Nebraska is going to be rocking. It's sold out. It's been sold out for months. It's the hammer down cancer game. Like I said, the black not black gold jerseys are back. Um, Nebraska's coming in three and three. Um, they've arguably beat the basement of the East and beaten Rutgers coming back from a 13 point deficit to be in 14, 13 and being Indiana the week before by 14 points at home, but you got to beat who you play. And, um, their coach, um, Joseph seems to be getting a little more out of them than Scott Frost was. Um, so they're feeling pretty loose and pretty free. Um, Casey Thompson could still hurt you with the deep ball. Yeah. Um, that's one thing to, to keep an eye on, and like we said, defensive backs once in a while have been getting burned on the deep ball. So, right. um, but on the flip side, Nebraska's weakness is their defensive backs. I think last week they were playing a guy who was a sixth or seventh year senior. He was like twenty five years old, and on the flip side, on the outside field, it was a true freshman corner. So, yeah. um, hopefully, Aiden can take advantage. I'm still waiting for him to go nuts one of these games, and and I'm waiting for Purdue to put it on somebody other than Indiana State because every other game we've been in has been a nail-biter. Right. But, you know, um, we've said all along Nebraska's got way more talent than that's been shown on the field. And so, um, you know, I see what – what is it, a 14-point spread? 14-point spread right now, yes. I, I wouldn't touch 14. I, I have a skeptic Purdue might win by 10 or 11, but uh is an awful lot to give. Looking at the history between these two programs, it's tied at five games apiece. Uh, last year's matchup, Purdue won in Lincoln 28-23. The uh, last time they played in Ross-Sade was 2020. Nebraska was victorious in that one, 37-27. If you recall, going back to 2019, that was Aiden O'Connell's first come-from-behind victory. Jack Plummer got hurt that game, and Aiden came off the bench, and they end up winning 31-27. David Bell had an end-around touchdown. Oh, so that yeah. that was Aiden's first of, I believe, what is now five fourth quarter comebacks, which is the most most in school history, and he could have a couple others this yeah. year alone. This year alone, that might be uh, an all time record in a place like Ohio State because they're never having to come back in the fourth quarter. <laughs> That's a good point. That's yeah. a good point. Uh, other games in this series, looking back, uh, Purdue is also victorious in Lincoln in 2018, uh, 42-28. Um, another Sade matchup in 2017 was a heartbreaker. A quarterback with the name of Tanner Lee, yeah. not not myself, uh, led Nebraska to a game-winning drive, 25-24. Um, and then the other three matchups were under Darrell Hazel. Well, one was under um, Jared Parker, I should say. Purdue played uh, Nebraska tough, but lost 27-14-2016. They beat Nebraska. It was one of Darrell's nine wins. 55-45 in 2015 in Rossade. Right. And they lost to Nebraska in 2014, 35-14. And their first matchup in the big as Big Ten foes was 2013, which Purdue lost 44-7. to Yeah, and I think that was may have gotten like 28 to nothing after the first quarter. So I was I yeah. may be thinking that wrong, but and I think I think that was Rob Henry's last start. I think Danny Etling came in during that game. And then he started the rest of the year, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. But uh, uh, the only other time Purdue and Nebraska faced before that was back in on September 27, 1958. Purdue won 28 nothing. 
Yeah, your uh, your grandpa may have been there. That was his freshman year. <laughs> Probably was. Yeah. Probably was. So, uh, but uh, let's talk a little bit about Nebraska. No, no Scott Frost anymore. Like we said, it just didn't go well. The whole right. uh, program's golden boy, golden son, returning after he uh, went undefeated at UCF as a head coach just didn't go well. They tried to hang on as long as they could. Finally, cut ties, paid the buyout. So now that's one of the bigger jobs open next year. Um, when you think of Nebraska, what do you think? Because uh, they were dominant for a while when when you were watching college football. They they were the Alabama of my era growing up. Um, they were invited to the Big Ten for one specific reason. It wasn't for their academic prowess or anything. It's because they're a football power. And I think when they divided it to the East and West, they said, we'll have Ohio State and Michigan over here. Mm-hmm. We'll have Nebraska. And now that Wisconsin's powerful year in, you're out over there, you know, with – Iowa and Penn State being kind of the third schools. And then, mm-hmm. uh, and, and that's uh, not how it's played out. Um, Nebraska has not held their end. They have been to the Big Ten championship game. I was thinking. Um, Legends and leaders, yeah, right away. Yeah. Um, Wisconsin put it on them pretty good, if I'm not mistaken. It was, At least one of those years. Yeah. I think you're right. Um, yeah, I was thinking of that today. You know, eight of the 14 schools have participated in the Big Ten championship game at the just uh, Illinois, Purdue, which one of those might make it this year. Minnesota. And Minnesota, probably one of those three will make it. Now that Wisconsin has two losses, and I think they still have to play Ohio State. No, they got killed by Ohio State. Mm-hmm. But um, And then in the other division, Rutgers, Maryland, and Indiana haven't uh, been to the uh, the promised land, so to speak. So, so Nebraska hasn't had all their end, but they were – uh, unbelievable. I remember when they fired Bo Pelini, he had a record very, very similar to what uh, Paul Christ had. It's about got, identical. Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah, you, you guys would have talked about that last week mm-hmm. probably, but uh, mm-hmm. interesting to see if Wisconsin might go the, the way of Nebraska. Even though I think, assuming it just doesn't go off the rails, I think Jim Leonard will end up being Wisconsin's next head coach. So, And he, he's got a little – his first two games were uh, – Northwestern and they they uh, ran through them and then I think they they have a pretty they go to Michigan State this soft this game this week. I mean he he could jump out two and zero and he's got Purdue coming in next week and the whole fan base could be reinvigorated by you know this two game mm-hmm. winning streak and I wouldn't count them out yet of the West yeah. but I think I think they have more of a shot than Iowa. Iowa can't score. They don't seem to want to make changes. So right. I don't I don't understand it. But yeah. so the Big Ten West is open. Uh, huge opportunity for Purdue. I would say, you know, this is the best opportunity they've had through a halfway point in October in a while. I know they're searching for their first four-game win streak since 2018. Um, feels like it's been longer than that, though. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it should be a fun one. 7.30, Saturday night, under the lights, Big Ten Network. Um, and when I think of Nebraska, I can remember when they were good enough to make the championship Back in 01 against Miami, Florida, and lost. Eric Crouch was Heisman Trophy winner. So that's kind of back in the Big 12. They kind of dominated the Big 12 early in the 2000s. But then after that, it was Bo Pelini had some success. And then after they let him go, it's kind of been a roller coaster ride. They haven't. Yeah. They haven't been. Well, now Ten- I was going to compare them to Tennessee, but now Tennessee's having a great season. So. Um, I, I don't think. I don't think you can understand just how good Nebraska was for a long, long time. Well, Osborne barely ever lost. And before so. him, there was a guy named Bob Devaney, and, and uh, they were truly mm-hmm. 
uh, one of the team, one, you know, Nebraska lived through when Miami of Florida was dominant, you know, it was mm -hmm. those two and mm -hmm. uh, Nebraska and Oklahoma always played a game in the uh, last game of the year in the old big eight conference. Both teams would be either undefeated or those, those days there were 11 game seasons. It'd be 10 and 0 and nine versus nine and one and Keith Jackson be calling it on Saturday afternoon. And that was must see TV. And there was probably, when those two teams were rolling, if there was ten passes in the entire game, that was a that was an air air shootout because those teams didn't pass. Yep. Yep. Well, well it'll be interesting this Saturday. A lot of Husker fans, you got to think, will make the trip. Uh, that's one thing they do. No matter the record, they travel well. Uh, there's not many other things to do in Nebraska, so they uh, they bleed. They, they even follow their back, or not on the road, but they. Uh, show out well for the basketball team too at home. So when when Nebraska has a home football game, that stadium is the third largest city in yep. the state. Yep. Cuz it's 90,000 yep. big. Yep. So, you know I got thinking when we were talking earlier, uh, how bad does Nebraska feel for getting blown out by Oklahoma now cuz <laughs> yeah. like in Oklahoma. So Yeah, Oklahoma um yeah, we'll talk about them in a little bit cuz we do pick games here on this podcast. Okay. So um any any other feelings going into Saturday, Saturday's game? Any? It's a big game. Yeah. It is, um, they've got themselves in position. As far as I can tell, the seven teams in the West, I think Purdue is in the best position of all of them because they've got that win over Minnesota. Yep. Um, Minnesota Illinois game's huge this weekend. It is. Other than that, I think I think Minnesota goes to Penn State, but all their other tough remaining games are at home. Yeah, and and. Um, I, I think Illinois still has to play one of the power boys over in the East. They have to go to Michigan after the, the week after they play Purdue. Yeah. So, so uh, what you want to do is hold the tiebreakers because, you know, every scenario I've seen, it, it's got, uh, you know, uh, three losses winning the West, you know, tying for the West. I saw so, one on, on um, ESPN that had Purdue winning the tiebreaker and winning the West with an eight and four record. Yeah. That'd be six so, and three. And yeah. That's yeah. where that win over Minnesota is so big. Mm hmm. So, um, yep. and I, I expect Minnesota to go in and, and take Illinois down, but uh, we'll see. You know, Illinois, that loss they had to Indiana right now has just got to be stinging them. Yep, the overturned uh, touchdown, which I still don't know how they overturned it. But. And they went four, four times from the one-yard line, couldn't get in. Yeah. I mean, they they had a myriad of, uh, of errors, and Indiana just won at the end. You had to get it to them. I mean, they they won when they had to. Well, we'll see if Dane DeVito plays for Illinois Saturday because without him, they're Chase Brown and nothing else. Yeah. So, and before, in a, a good defense, but they really haven't been challenged like they probably will against Minnesota this weekend. But mm -hmm. uh, before we get into picking some games, I need to uh, bring you a word from one of our sponsors, Mad Mushroom. Mad Mushroom is back on board this year, being a podcast sponsor of the Boiler Breakdown, and we are happy they are doing so. Mad Mushroom is. It has been serving Boilermakers since 1993. They're located in the heart of West Lafayette, and they're no, well known as the home of the original cheese sticks. But whenever the Boiler Breakdown podcast likes to go there, we like to sit down and have an ice-cold beer by trying out their latest pizza of the month, which this month, their pizza of the month for October is Rachel's Chicken Parm. Our tradition It's their traditional pizza sauce. Lots of chicken, mozzarella cheese, Parmesan cheese, and finished with fresh basil. And that's starting at a price of $14. So you know what Peyton Manning would say, chicken parm, you taste so good. 
So you can get two of those bad boys. That would put you over $20. And if you just stop on in, tell them the Boiler Breakdown sent you, you get $5 off any order over $20. Or you can go online at madmushroom.com, use the code BREAK5. That's in all caps, B-R-E-A-K-5. And you can get $5 off any order over $20 using that code as well. That's Mad Mushroom. Feed your head. All right, let's pick some Big Ten games now, starting with the one we were just talking about, uh, Minnesota at Illinois. I got Minnesota by uh, double digits. I'm looking up the point spread right now. Uh, Minnesota is a a six-and-a-half point favorite. Um, I think Minnesota wins this, but Illinois covers, so I'm taking Minnesota by like three. Okay. I think think it'll be a good one. Who'd you take again? Minnesota by 10 to 14. All right. The Fox Big Noon game, and this is indeed a Fox Big Noon game this week, unlike the one they went to last week. Uh, Number 10, Penn State. At number 5, Michigan. Michigan's a 7-point favorite. I think they're a lot alike. Uh, Penn State maybe has the best defensive backfield in the country. Their running back, uh, who really didn't hurt Purdue bad, has really come on – I think Michigan's a little smoke and mirrors right now. In my opinion, they haven't got a marquee win. Their best wins Maryland at home by seven. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go Penn State in an upset. That would shake things up. Um, I think it's going to be a good game, but I'm going Michigan. I think Michigan is the number two team in the Big Ten, but unfortunately for them, number one's their rival. And over mm-hmm. there in their east, Ohio State, who is off this week. Um, I actually think Ohio State's the best team in the country, but that's just my opinion. Uh, Maryland, 12-point favorites at Indiana. I think Maryland wins. I don't think they'll cover. I think it'll be something like that 30-20, uh, 34-24 to 20, uh, type game. 10-point 10, 10 game. I could see that. I will say Maryland wins and they cover. I'll say they win by 13. Mm. Um, um, I just don't think Indiana's very good. And I'm not saying that just as a Purdue fan. I think right. they've taken a couple steps backwards in the last three years. Well, they definitely have. They've you know, they got this stud linebacker, Jones. I think he got dinged up last week against Michigan, and he's very important for him. Uh, I don't know what his status is. They did make an offensive line coach switch. Um, and Rutgers, who's not playing, they made a offensive coordinator switch. So a lot of Big Ten schools are making some in-season adjustments, which I know all the national talking heads are wondering, why is Iowa not doing so? But mm-hmm. when the uh, OC is the coach's son, it makes it a little more challenging. I'd fire you. I know you would. You know, I, I would expect it if I'm only put up nine points a game and not trying anything else. Wisconsin, seven-and-a-half-point favorite at a reeling Michigan State team. Four in a row uh, in the L category for uh, Mel Tucker and the boys there. Um, I think Wisconsin wins, and I, and I, I think they'll cover. I agree, but you got to think Michigan State's going to come out trying to fire, I mean, desperation, because they lose this game. That's five losses. They're not making a bowl. Right. Because they still haven't played Michigan. Right. So. Yeah, they're yeah. – and, and they've still got Penn State too, so. Yeah, that's $95 million right there. Yeah, I know. They're in some Wait, trouble. Right. Yep. Yep. So top 25 games outside the Big Ten. Uh, Ole Miss, 14.5-point favorites at home against Auburn. Talk about a coach that needs a win, Auburn's coach, because every week it seems like is this the week he gets fired. Yeah, this uh, this current coach might be – holding that seat for Matt Rule. Mm-hmm. I think Ole Miss covers that, though. Me too. 
Kansas, uh, still one of the better stories in all college football. They were handed their first loss of the season at the hands of TCU last week. Taking on Oklahoma on the road. Oklahoma's 3-3. Three and three. They've lost three straight, but Oklahoma's a nine-point favorite in this one. Yeah, I'm going with Oklahoma just because I, I'm not sure I could say the words that Kansas will beat Oklahoma. I'm taking Oklahoma as well because I you just got to think this is the week they snap out of whatever funk they're in. And yeah. Kansas has been a great story. We'll see if uh, their coach stays there. I don't know if he will. I know he likes it there, but how's Marvin, some, Grant, how's Marvin Grant doing for them? You know, that's a really good question. I know he starts. Um, let's see if I can. Because, you know, we were all kind of dogging him for going to Kansas. Uh, let's see if I can find some defensive stats here. Um, he only has uh, six solo tackles, ten total tackles. So, okay. I thought he started, but given those numbers, maybe he doesn't start. Right. Or he might have been injured for a while or something. Iowa State at number 22, Texas. Texas is a 16-point favorite. Yeah, Iowa State's kind of, uh, after having a, a few years of some pretty good success, they've yep. kind of hit, hit the rock bottom. I'm, I'm going Texas, baby. I am as well. You got a question, did Matt Campbell uh, blow up by not leaving when he had the chance? Yeah. The game of the week, uh, at least for a lot of national talking heads, I mean, some can argue it's Penn State-Michigan, but number three, Alabama, seven-point favorites at 5-0, and number six, Tennessee. Um, I was listening to a talk radio show as I was driving the other day, and the guy said Tennessee does everything that Alabama struggles with. So I'm, I'm going to take Tennessee to at least cover. Uh, Alabama's had two tight ones already this year. You know, it'd be crazy if they'd have two losses by this time of year already. Uh, I'm not sure that the playoff system would know what to do if Alabama had two losses already. So, Arguably the biggest game in Knoxville since Peyton Manning. And I know they won the national championship the next year, but that's how big this this, this home game is. Right. I'm taking Alabama by 10. Well, Uh, it's it's time for them to go. I mean, obviously – they have uh, probably over 20 NFL players on their roster somewhere, so it's time for them to kick it in. Well, I know Bryce Young's banged up, but they have, like, voodoo witch doctors down there in Alabama. That I mean, I still remember when Tua's legs were beat up, and most teams, that's a season-ending injury, and he's back, like, in two weeks. Yeah. So I don't know how they do it. Some saving – I don't know. They'll take a bone off a homeless guy or something if they have to and put it in one of their players. Yeah, you um, might want to watch it. <laughs> Good one here in uh, Big 12 country. Number eight, Oklahoma State, 5-0 and at. 5-0 and number 13, TCU, who is a four-point favorite. So Mike Gundy against uh, Sonny Dykes. And the winner of that game has a, has an outside shot of making the, uh, the, the final four playoffs. Yeah. So I'm going to say TCU gets this one. I'm going to go Oklahoma State. I, I'm starting to think this is the year they finally get over the hump. Um, they've been so close and uh, just can't quite do it. TCU is a good story, though. I mean, Sonny Dykes was a train wreck at Cal, but got it going again at SMU and took took a step up at TCU, and it, it's going good for him. And it's it's hard when you replace a legend like you did in Gary Patterson. Right. Uh, good one here, number fifteen, NC State, five and one at five and zero, number eighteen, Syracuse, who is a three point favorite. You know, the more I think about it, I was not impressed with Syracuse when no. we played them. You know, a couple of turnovers that we probably should have had that the refs didn't allow. 
Well, and you look at their schedule. Besides beating Purdue, they've beat Wagner fifty-nine to zero. They've beat Virginia twenty-two to twenty. They beat and Connecticut. Virginia's not that good. Beat Connecticut forty-eight fourteen and Louisville thirty-one to seven. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking NC State. I am too. I just don't think Syracuse is as good as their number eighteen ranking. Three more here. Number four, Clemson, six and zero at four and two, Florida State. Clemson's a three and a half point favorite. Yeah, I think Clemson gets it done. I, this isn't this Clemson team cannot be confused with the one that Trevor Lawrence was quarterback in a few years ago. But they're you know they're a top ten team. Yeah, they're defense first team. Defensive line stacked. Um, I think Clemson gets it done as well. I think Florida State's heading in the right direction, but they have mm-hmm. slipped up the past few weeks. So. Good one, SEC here. Uh, number sixteen, Mississippi State, five and one at number twenty-two, four and two, Kentucky. I don't know if Slovis will be back for Kentucky. Um, they played with a backup quarterback last week, but either way, I'm taking Mississippi State, who is a three and a half point favorite. Real Will Rogers is a dark horse for the Heisman right now. Yeah, I'm going to go with Kentucky, but I, I got you. I, I don't know why I even say that. It's, it's the home thing, I guess. And a future Big Ten member, USC, number seven, USC, six and zero at number twenty, four and two, Utah. Who, uh, yeah, they lost to Florida, and then they lost to um, who? Who beat Utah last week? UCLA. UCLA, future Big Be- Ten member. Yeah. Good. Yeah. So. Well, the guy uh, I was listening to on the radio the other day is Joe Klatt. He, yep. He, the Fox. Yep. And he shocked me because he says he says Utah's. Uh, will beat USC and he thinks that you buy more than a touchdown. He says, uh, and he thought he's the one who made the proclamation of Tennessee uh, beating Alabama straight up. And he also thought Penn state would beat Michigan. And, you know, I'm, I'm so I'm stealing a lot of my thoughts from Joel. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. They are three and a half point favorites. I'm taking mm-hmm. USC though. I like the way Caleb Williams is playing. I like what Lincoln Riley's doing out there. Um, it's going to be interesting in two years when UCLA and USC join the Big Ten. If you were Kevin Warren, Dad, how do you divide the divisions up? Do you do pods? What, what do you do? If it's in your yeah. hands, what do you do with the 16 teams? Well, yeah, it, it, it all depends how many teams they end up with. Um, you know, well, you, so let's say 16, because I think they'll be sit on 16 at least for a little bit. Yeah, I'd have four or 14 pods. You That's do how like I would that. too. Like you do the uh, AFC has 16 teams, for instance. Right, right. And, um, you know, you play the same three teams every year. And, for instance, Purdue's pod would probably be Indiana, Illinois, and Northwestern. That would be a dream. That would be unbelievable, but it's probably be Iowa, maybe. Although well, that, Iowa would probably be with Nebraska. I don't know how they'd figure it out. Here's, here's my plan, and this is Purdue bias. You have Purdue, Illinois, Northwestern, Indiana. And you have your more West schools. So you have Iowa, Nebraska, USC, UCLA. Then you have Minnesota, Wisconsin, Michigan, Michigan State. And then Rutgers, Maryland, Ohio State, Penn State. Yeah, Rutgers and Maryland wouldn't be all that happy with you. That's geogra- yeah. geographic. But I did see you, somebody proposed one today that has three divisions a West, a Central, and an East. The West being USC, Iowa. Oh, oh this is, wait, this is uh, adding a team or two. This is adding if they get, Oregon, Oregon and Washington. Right. If they get 18 teams, then you have three 16 divisions. Yeah. This is uh, USC, Iowa, Oregon, Nebraska, UCLA, Washington. The Central, Michigan, Michigan State, Northwestern, Illinois, Minnesota, Wisconsin. The East, 
Ohio State, Penn State, Purdue, Maryland, Rutgers, Indiana. Yeah. I did not see it till right now. It just said Oregon and was it Washington. For some reason, I thought they did three of them with 16, which would have been weird. But, uh, yeah. And if, so, if they get it to 20, I think you have uh, four or five. Yeah, you're going to have to do some sort of pod system, I think. And if 20, you got to think Notre Dame may be one of those and maybe Stanford. And, and those two teams play this weekend. Notre Dame's 17.5 point favorite. What do you think about that? I think Notre Dame covers that easy. I do too. I think David Shaw should have left when he when he had a chance because yeah, it's not going he, well for them. He, at all. he will not lose his job. You don't think so? No, Stanford's uh, way too high a principal for that kind of stuff. How about Pat Fitzgerald? No, you don't think he'll lose his job mm-hmm. either. He's taken Northwestern to places they never even thought they could get to. Well, they got to the Rose Bowl with him as a player. Yeah, they've never been to Rose Bowl without him either coaching or as that's, a player. That's true. That's true, but I don't know. Well, let's round it back, uh, circle back to the Purdue-Nebraska game. Um, I want your score prediction and your player of the game prediction. My score prediction is um, 34-23 Purdue. And um, I'm going to say the player of the game is Mockaby. Devin Mockaby. Without downing around, he's going to get more and more of a role. We cannot afford to lose that kid right now. He's He brings something to the passing game and the running game. Jeff Brom did say today, Kindo Rue is going to be a game-time decision. Yeah. So it would be I, nice I, to I, have I him more. back in the mix with Lewis and Mockaby, though. It would it'd and, be nice. to. And, you know, somebody who I think is due for a big game is Tyrone Tracy. Yep. Um, you know, the kid's not really a receiver. He's not really a running back. Let's just get him the ball and see what happens. And before I make my predictions, I that's one thing that's concerned me about this Purdue team. And I know Brock Thompson's hurt. Jeff Brom um, made it clear today he's probably still going to be out for a while. Um, Purdue's missing that number two wide receiver. Charlie Jones has emerged as their clear-cut number one. But nobody's stepped up and be, been number two now. T.J. Right. Sheffield's shown flashes. Mershon Rice showed some flashes on Saturday. It, it, to be all. To be honest, Payne Durham's their number two right now, but he's a oh, tight end. Do you do you think in the back half of the season, since we're at the halfway point, we'll see somebody step up as the number two wide receiver? Well, I think uh, I think Rice has all the potential in the world. Um, you know, and it's it's a lot of it's trust through Aiden too. You yep. know, it's you know, uh, it's a lot like the Rams where Stafford just keeps throwing the cup. There's other guys out there, but he trusts Cup, and yep. it's obvious Aiden that trusts Charlie yep. and Payne. It, but. Uh, you know, I'd like to see the kids finally healthy. I Yassine. Yes, yes, number two. Yeah, Yassine. So, and then Burks has showed some flashes. Mm-hmm. So I think we got the kids out there. Let's just get them the ball. Yep. And there's a lot of guys that haven't, like Colin Sullivan hasn't really played this year, Preston Terrell. Mm-hmm. So there's others, but they're obviously not playing for a reason. Yeah, they were playing so. a kid the other day I didn't even know about. Just yeah, like, yeah. Um I can't think of the name off the top of my head without looking at the box. Skinowski or Skinkowski yeah. or something like that. Yeah. So, because you try to throw a questionable ball to him in the end zone. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going Purdue 37-20. I think, I think Purdue opens it up a little bit. And I'm going to go Aiden O'Connell, player of the game. I think he throws for over 350 yards again. Yeah, I um, hope you're right. A clean game. Um, offense line is a little concern. Uh, they started the year with eight linemen they felt comfortable with, and now they're down to six. Mm-hmm. With uh, Johnson and Craig, um, Craig done for his career and Johnson done for the season, so now they got six they're comfortable with rotating in and out. So yeah. getting razor thin there at offensive yeah. line, and and you got six games left. You know, yeah. you're bound to getting 
a few more yep. nicks. So. Yep. Yep. Well, we will close with some thoughts here in a little bit, but before I do that, I got to give our other sponsor a shout out here. And that is the shop who's back for their second season with the boiler breakdown. The shop makes fantastic athletic apparel, whether you're a Purdue fan, a Butler fan, an Indiana fan, fan of Indiana Pacers, fan of Indianapolis Colts, fan of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, the Indy 500, just state of Indiana in general. They have about anything you can ask for. It's hoodie season right now. They just came out with some brand new Purdue merchandise this week, including a really nice Caleb first t-shirt. So go on there, get yourself, or it's not even, it's not too early to Christmas shop. Get your significant other something Purdue related, get them a Purdue athlete, support Purdue athletes. Um, and when you go on the shop, use promo code breakdown. That's in all caps for 25% off. So quite the discount there, plenty to choose from. And they got two storefronts as well in um in the indianapolis area so but if you can't go there go to their website the shop use breakdown for 25 percent off i need to do that myself so okay. all right uh what'd you think of the uh, basketball uniforms i liked them but i'll have to i'll have to see them live or on tv yep. uh you know so uh um uh, i wouldn't say they're anything um unbelievable but i'm not sure what would They've had some ugly uniforms over the years sometimes, <laughs> and yep. you don't even think they were at the time. Then you look back and say, my gosh. So, uh, But I thought they looked fine. Yep. I mean, they were pretty hyped up, but I thought they had a nice, clean look to them. Mm-hmm. The players seem to like them. That's all that matters. If the players like them, matters. if recruits like them, that's all that matters. Right. So, um, yep, it'll, it'll be interesting to see them live. But uh, basketball's right around the corner. We're less than a month away till the exhibition game. Big Ten basketball media days were this week. Matt Painter talked pretty highly of his team. He thinks the front court's one of the best in the nation. He likes his guards. Talked highly of true freshman Braden Smith. So you got to think he's most likely going to be the starting point guard. Um, I think there's some reasons to be excited, West Lafayette. I don't necessarily think it's going to be as good of an overall record as the team had last year. But um, sometimes when the teams don't have as high expectations, they're more fun to watch. Right. I think the last six Big Ten tournaments that – have concluded, not the one that started COVID year and then stopped. I think Purdue has not had to play a game until Friday. That would be a heck of a goal this year. You know, mm-hmm. that means you're doing the top four. Mm-hmm. We're very spoiled as a fan base um, that year after year after year after year, we're always in the hunt. And it's, we might not take away the, the big trophies, but uh, he's always got us there. Mm-hmm. And he's as hard on himself. As anybody. I mean, he took blame the other day for he thought we had a team that should have won the Big Ten, should have won the Big Ten tournament, should have made the Final Four, and he said we didn't do any of those. Well, and you think back to that Big Ten season last year, we had three shots go in against us at the buzzer, basically. Yep. Yep. Um, All three-pointers. Yeah, one half quarter, one banked in, and one just a normal three. One from a kid who never hits a three in his life. That Michigan State kid, so. I mean, it was – and we had a – really tough schedule mm-hmm. you know, this year our schedule looks pretty you don't know till the season starts you, you you just always assume these guys are good these guys are good these are guys good but it, it looks very manageable um yeah but you still i mean you got west virginia on a neutral floor at florida state and then the pk the pk tournament so no, i'm talking our big 10 schedule oh i'm sorry I think yes, our preseason yes. schedule is very underrated yeah yeah um sounds like we're working against the press a lot because of florida state marquette and West Virginia. Mm-hmm. And 
quite frankly, nobody in the Big Ten really presses. Iowa. But, you know, uh, we always worry about Iowa's press. Always worry about it, and we beat them. And then in the Big Ten championship game, they only pressed us once the whole game. Yep. But they still beat us. Yep. So. And then they got bounced in the first round. So when everybody yeah. was picking them for a Final Four darling. Yeah. So. It is what it is. It's always fun. I think Big Ten basketball, it might be a little down in the media's eyes this year, but I still think it's going to be a pretty competitive conference. They're going to have a lot of teams, in my opinion, that make the NCAA tournament as a six through nine seeds. Mm-hmm. They might not have a top one or two. Mm-hmm. Uh, Indiana's barking a little bit, but we'll see. Yep. They still don't have a shooter. They got a lot of stuff. And their front court is supposed to be so good, but you know, like you said, we got a pretty good one too. Yeah, yeah. It's just we got a lot of guys who are unproven. We got some red shirts that'll probably play. Right. Some true freshmen that'll probably play. A senior transfer that's going to play a lot. So, and in, Indiana is very old. Mm-hmm. You know, J- Jackson Davis is fourth year. Race Thompson sixth. Xavier Johnson fifth or sixth. Miller Cop sixth. Yep. I mean, they're an old team. They're probably older than a couple of the NBA starting five. <laughs> well, Jackson Davis been rumored to the NBA since his uh, first year in Bloomington. Yeah. And here he is his fourth he year. He might stay around there. another year. You know, he's got a COVID year available to him as well. And he gets a lot of money. Probably makes he, more he, than he would he in the NBA right now. a year, that's better than going to Europe. Yep. True. True. So mm-hmm. any final thoughts as we wrap up the podcast, Dad? I'm excited for Saturday. It seems like it's been months since we played a home game. And boy, you know, October is supposed to be the month that was going to make or break us. And so far, uh, so far, so good. Yep, two for two so far. Um, if yeah. they could, my goal was three and one. If they can get this, I'll be pretty happy. And then if they could go get this, and Wisconsin be six and two going into the bye, I think that's every Purdue fan's dream. So yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know about you, but it's it's enjoyable that Purdue football is is fun again because college football there's not much like it, especially on a you know Friday or early Saturday morning on the campus. You can feel the energy and the buzz in the air. Well, there's there's nothing better than watching a Saturday night game when your team's already won on Saturday afternoon. <laughs> yeah, it's yep. very relaxing. I can't even watch the Big Ten Network when we lose. So, uh, big Purdue fan and one of our golf buddies chiming in here, Ray Davis says hello. So, hey Ray, thanks for uh, thank thanks for tuning in tonight. I know uh, I know he probably has a, a boiler W and and hit for his prediction on Saturday. So oh, good deal. Um, well, Dad, uh, it's been fun. Thanks yeah. for filling in for Evan and Andrew. Uh, some big shoes to fill, but I think you did just fine. And uh, if anybody wants to follow you on Twitter, your handle's at Bucket Boy. You don't tweet very often at all. I did. If you do it's fourteen once. <laughs> if you do, it's probably Purdue or Phil Mickelson related. But That's right. if anybody wants to give you a follow out there, you're at Bucket Boy. So uh, thanks again, Dad. Let's boiler up, hammer down, and beat the Cornhuskers. Let's go.